My friend Kate was diagnosed as a carrier of fragile X when she was just 23 years old. At the time, her geneticist said that it was nothing to be concerned about and to get in touch when she wanted to start a family. In 2020, Kate and her husband, Will, started their fertility journey and are still in the messy middle of it. Kate talks with great warmth and poise about the consequences of her diagnosis, the highs and lows of IVF treatments, and what supports her through the lows. Hint, bring ice cream. I'm Alice Dadler-Stewart, and this is Infertility and Us. My dearest Kate, it is so beautiful having you here. I'm already emotional because <laughs> you've been such an important part of this journey for me. Ah, here we are, because you and I, I think, I think, show the importance of talking about this topic when we're in the messy middle. And you've been in my messy middle from the beginning. And I just want to say how grateful I am for you to be here. And I'm hearing the emotion in my voice, and that's simply because how important. You are as a friend. You've been here from the beginning on my journey. I've had fun fact for everyone listening. You were with me the moment that I met my husband. <laughs> yes, I was. Well, <laughs> years ago, yes. in La Paz in Bolivia, you and I were traveling together and a Swiss man showed up at my side and we traveled together for a few days and you were there from the very beginning and you were there in our wedding. And you're here with us now. Yeah, ah, we... So that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's how we're starting. So hello, everyone. This is going to be an emotional, but I think a very special conversation. Kate, thank you for being here. Thank you for having you, me. You are a gem. And you shared with me just before we started a really beautiful intention. The reason why you're giving your voice to this topic. And I would really love for you to share that with everyone because I thought that was really wonderful. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for opening your heart to me. Who would have thought that 12 years ago when we set off on our little adventure to South America that we would be sitting here now having had all the experiences that we've had together between then and still such an important part of each other's lives and supporting each other through this journey. Going back to the intention that I shared with you, I really just want to be a voice in the wider conversation that is happening. I truly believe that everyone can find comfort and support in other people's stories because no two journeys are alike. There are elements that people can share and relate to in everybody else's story. And it's just important that we get as many voices out there as possible telling their stories so that those that are going through it silently and aren't comfortable speaking up or haven't found that place where they get that support yet can be found in our stories. And I think it's important to be sharing them in the middle while they're happening. It's so easy to find stories that have happened completely. You know, like a book, 
you always read the beginning, the middle, and the end, but these stories, a lot of them don't have endings yet, and it's important that we're sharing that so that it becomes a little bit more normalized and people that are there to support you on this journey aren't expecting there necessarily to be an ending yet for mm. some people and or at all. Yeah. I remember around the moment that Matthias and I were starting this journey, this was around my 30th birthday, which is also meant to be my last hurrah. Like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because in a few months, who knows where we'll be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember around that moment that you actually then shared with me and with Matthias and our close friends what you were actually going through at that moment. And in that moment, as you were saying, the importance of hearing these other stories for me was already an eye opener of, oh, okay, you know, we can't take fertility for granted Mm. and we can talk about it as friends. There's no shame involved, you know, let's be here for each other. And so again, Kate, that's why I was so emotional at the beginning. I think you're a big door opener for me as well, having that conversation. And so I would love to actually maybe start there if that's okay with you is this journey that you and your wonderful husband are on started actually quite a while ago can you tell us a bit about that sure so Will and I met 13 years ago at university we quickly fell in love and became really entwined in each other's lives Um, his family are a huge support for me and my family are a huge support for him and our family is a great support for each other which is amazing. Uh, Will spent a year living overseas quite early on in our relationship but when he came back we moved in together and have kind of never looked back and it was while we were um, living in that first flat actually things were obviously quite serious between us and my dad had noticed that and took me aside one day we were out for a walk and said that there was something that he wanted to tell me and he said that there was a condition our family had and he was a carrier of this syndrome which is fragile x and he said that he wanted to get me tested so that we could find out whether I was also a carrier or not and so that process kind of moved quite quickly we have public genetic services or genetic counseling services here in New Zealand and we got referred to the genetic counselor in Auckland we did some blood tests and sure enough it came back that I was a carrier for Fragile X for those that don't know Fragile X is um, an X-linked chromosomal disorder or syndrome the genetic condition that causes intellectual disabilities and learning disabilities but also anxiety behavioral and learning challenges delayed development speech and communication challenges sensory sensitivities and autistic like behaviors and being an x-linked syndrome it is generally passed down on that x chromosome my dad being a carrier himself for me to be a girl he had to pass on his ex gene and therefore I inherited it but my brother um, 
being a boy, inheriting a Y gene from my dad, that stopped there with him. So they basically test a little bit more about this fragile X and how it's behaving and it's something that mutates from generation to generation. And if you look on the trajectory of how this gene behaves, it was a 99% chance that if I passed on my bad X, we like to call it, then a child that I had would be fully affected by fragile X syndrome. And if I was lucky enough to pass on my good X, then that would be the end of fragile X in our family. So it was quite a lot to take on as a 23-year-old, but the genetic counselor was fantastic. And she basically said, look, there are options. You can try naturally and we can do testing. IVF is an option that's available for you. And, you know, we can consider all of those options once you're ready to start a family. And at 23, I was not ready to start a family. I had big plans for my future. I wanted to travel and do all sorts of things. So we basically left it at that. Will and I moved overseas. We did our big OE, had the most amazing time. When we decided to move home, we were engaged by this point and planning a wedding. And it kind of popped back into my mind that we need to be thinking about Fragile X if we're wanting to start a family not long after we get home and get married. So having talked about it, you know, we made the decision for us that we strongly did not want to pass this gene on to a child. And we basically wanted to, you know, cut the, we cut the chain. So we decided that IVF would probably be the best option for us to start with because we can try naturally. But there are a few other factors at play with being a fragile X carrier. So having the fragile X syndrome, or what they call the full mutation of the gene, has its own symptoms and challenges. But being a carrier also has its own set of symptoms and behaviors that are completely separate from the syndrome. One of the symptoms is primary ovarian failure in early menopause, having low egg reserve and likely going into menopause before I'm 40. That kind of put the, yeah, accelerator down a little bit. Like, okay, we've got to get going on this. So that was one factor for going for IVF and not trying naturally. And the other was that for us, we thought it would be quite challenging to go through the process of getting pregnant naturally and then having to terminate a pregnancy potentially at up to 20 weeks. It was just not something that we wanted to put ourselves through. So that was, yeah, November 2020, I think we went to the first appointment. So it probably wasn't that long after that that we had your birthday and the hurrah was early Mm. the following year. Yeah. Yeah, so I have, I have so much. I know I've I've spoken so much already. You need to you need to rein me in, Ella. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have so much to share, Kate, and it's very valuable. So, Kate, I've always experienced you. You being a very good friend of mine. You're so grounded. You're very positive. 
and you're very communicative and it's something I've always really appreciated about you. And I'm wondering, was that always the case in this journey? Did that bring that out of you or was that a strength that was activated having to have these maybe challenging conversations early in a relationship with Will, but also communicating what was going on with people around you? Because I always experienced you as incredibly open. For me, you're a role model in this space. Thank you. Yeah, that's a really interesting question, actually. And I think it is something that has developed over time, for sure. Going back to all my little life experiences and drawing on those, going to a high school where I didn't know anybody and then going on exchange overseas where I didn't know nobody and I didn't speak a language and you know having all of these experiences I think have helped me to learn to communicate better and I have to credit Will really he is a great communicator and has really supported me to communicate my feelings and has given me a really safe place to be able to do that and you know he doesn't judge he's just always there to listen but he asks really good questions a lot like you do and you know just enables that side of me I guess to be able to come out and be confident to share what I have to say the other person I have to credit, of course, is my mum, because she, I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, she's an emotional being and really in touch with her emotions. And that has enabled me to be confident in sharing mine as well. Having that role modelled for me, I think, is really important. And I think the combination of all of those things has kind of led it to where I am now. But in a context specific to what we're talking about I don't know I think just Will and I as a unit you know that's kind of who we are where we are quite open he's very in touch with his emotions as well and his mum has worked in the medical profession for a long time she's a gynecological nurse and um, it's always just been something that we've always spoken about really openly and they've they've all made it really easy just to share and yeah and not feel shame about the experience that we're going through and you know they show genuine interest and mm. it's really great to have that support so I think all of that has just made it really easy to be there and and through that I guess when I started going through it I didn't know anybody else that was you know I obviously I was quite young when I first found out but then when we started the IVF process I didn't know anyone that was struggling with fertility and it just was quite isolating you know and as <laughs> in any parts of life where you find someone that you connect with on some level whether it's you know someone that you know or a place that you've been or that you've both been having that connection is important so when you do find these people that are going through it as well you want mm -hmm. to share yeah and I love that you bring this up and I feel like this is a really important topic. I think you and I share that in common and that 
we went through a process that pushed us out of our own skins and we had to communicate yeah. outwardly. We we both traveled a lot, we've lived overseas, but it was also important to us to communicate our feelings in our partnerships and our families. And I think we both have had very nourishing experiences in that regard, but we've also made it happen for ourselves because as you said, it can be incredibly isolating. And I know for a fact that there are lots of people who are going through this, who feel very lonely, very isolated, and maybe do not have that support that we've had or created for ourselves. That's also part of it. Yeah. I'm wondering, what do you say to someone who's maybe new in this process and they're struggling with opening up Mm. or finding or finding that support you know what would you say to someone who's going through that I think it you know there's all the old tropes like you're not alone and you aren't going through this alone and it's easy to say that to people but it doesn't always help necessarily you know it doesn't change the way that people are feeling. I guess if there's some advice that I could give, because I do understand that there are people out there that can't speak to their families about it or don't feel comfortable sharing with their friends or there are barriers to being able to share those things. There are forums out there that you can use, you know, Reddit, Facebook, Instagram, there are lots of communities of people out there where you can contribute without having to be public. And I think sometimes it's easier to share what you're going through with a stranger than it is to those that are close to you. So if you don't feel like you can share with those people that are around you, don't feel any shame in that. But I think being able to share with someone, even if it is a complete stranger on the internet, is really heartening and can just give you that sense of being able to get it off your chest a little bit. You know, the old saying that a problem shared is a problem halved. And I think this is true. Sometimes it's just being able to tell someone what you're going through and for them to be like, oh, man, I get it and it sucks. So don't shy away from using the internet as a resource. If you don't have someone that you feel you can share with, there are people out there. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful message that you can find a way where you feel safe to share. It can be anonymously, it can be online. One thing I have noticed also for me is when I myself am vulnerable, it opens up other people's stories so if you are seeking that willing to share even if it's online you will receive that support absolutely and I think that's what is you know one of the wonderful things about the community of people that are going through their infertility struggles is that there's no judgment Mm. about what you're going through or how you're going through it or how you feel about it, all feelings are valid. However you're approaching it is right and it is a really supportive community. Yes, I absolutely agree. I heard of this phrase once and it feels very relevant for this group as well. It's infertility is the worst club, but the best members. 
Oh, I love it. <laughs> I think that's also because of that sheer vulnerability, but the powerful validation, the affirmations. People are not asking you to be, think, or feel any differently than you are. People are not telling you to just relax. It'll happen. No. Because yeah. they know they know that they'll get backslapped <laughs> for that one. Um, exactly. There's a lot of understanding. And I think that's something that we seek when we feel alone, is we seek validation, we seek understanding. We just want to be heard yeah. in some capacity. And when you think about it, that does not need to be context-specific at all, right? No. And that's something also beyond the context of our conversation. I mean, these conversations go so much deeper than any one topic. Struggling with infertility is one, but there are so many, and where this is valid is that we as human beings can also learn to communicate and validate other people in a compassionate, empathetic way. And it doesn't actually actually require too much extra work. It's maybe a bit about unlearning some of the platitudes, yeah. some of the offhand comments. Yeah. I think it's really a matter of awareness. It is. And, you know, I think there's things that, you know, we can be doing as people that are going through infertility to support people that aren't to understand what we're going through if that mm-hmm. makes sense I think what we're doing opening up and being a safe space not just for each other but for our friends who don't know mm-hmm. to be able to say what do I do how do I mm-hmm. like how do I ask you what's going on or how do I best support you you know as people that are willing to be vulnerable in that space we can do that even if they miss the mark sometimes or you know say the wrong thing or whatever but then they learn and then they pass that on to other people as well yeah absolutely and even there we can remove the shame like hey I realize that it's really hard to know what the right thing to say is and you probably feel awkward therefore in many cases people say nothing but maybe that's not helpful either so Kate I haven't asked this question before but if you could give someone a little pamphlet a guide how to support Kate what would be in that? Ooh, I think it would be bring ice cream. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Which flavor, Kate? This is important. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's got to be mint choc chip or tiramisu. Okay, got it. <laughs> Written it down. <laughs> or something with caramel in it. But it would be, I think, to check in and just ask what's going on but also to you don't always have to ask like what stage I'm up to or like where I am at in the process because you know at the same time I am not just my infertility I am a person with a life doing other things as well and you know sometimes I don't want to talk about it and I guess that's you know on me as well to be able to say hey you know it's not the right time right now or I'll come back to you later with that but just being able to be like hey what's going on like what happened in your day rather than always asking but I guess going back to the pamphlet yeah just reaching out and asking how they can best support me or a lovely question yeah say what do you need 
what yeah. can I do? And not necessarily being so focused on your infertility journey. You say, and I remember, Kate, this really stuck with me once you and I were talking, we catch up regularly and we also talk about this. We talk about other things, but also this. And that was, I am not my infertility diagnosis. I am a whole human being with so many interests and so many ideas and and things I like to do you know there's so much to me and I found that really important because there can be moments at least for me as well on this journey where I feel like it becomes my identity but I'm like oh "Oh, absolutely I don't want it to be I'm like yes this is a really important thing that's going on in my life it's a really it's a chapter I feel Mm -hmm that right now is taking up a lot of my time, energy and love. However, I'm so much more than this. And I hope other people see that too, because I feel like that's the case. So you put that into words for me for that first time. It reminded me like I need to also ask Kate about other things. I've kind of said this at the start. You have been incredibly helpful for my own learning. And I think you're a really wonderful person to help people learn those things without feeling judged. And I look at your husband and I look at your mom and the people around you. And I know that they really appreciate you for that. And you're also in really wonderful hands. You know, as a friend, I just love seeing that. And I just wanted to say that. Oh, thank you. And, you know, and I'm constantly learning as well. And it's a good reminder for me too to practice what I preach and to make sure I'm reaching out to people and asking those things and chatting and you know because as we all know with this journey as well there is a lot of waiting and there is a lot of time when nothing is happening and Mm -hmm. a lot of the time there isn't an update to give and as much as you want there to be you know sometimes that's just not the case and people have other things going on in their lives I think it's important that we just keep it all in context. I really like what you said, you know, that this is a chapter and it is taking up a lot of my time and love and energy. But I guess as people going through it, we also need to realize that there is more to ourselves than just this as well. And it can be Mm -hmm. so easy to get all consumed by what's going on and I've I've been there you know especially when you're going through like a an egg retrieval and you're injecting hormones whenever you're injecting hormones really it takes up a lot of your energy because you are doing it multiple times a day and it's making you feel awful and it's basically all that you can think about you're like grow mm-hmm. little follicles just do it <laughs> and so it is really consuming but you've got to have balance yes and actually the question I'd like to pick up on for me so this is again very different for everyone and we're all on different timelines but you did mention also because of the symptoms of you being a carrier of fragile x that mm-hmm. you might go through menopause earlier Therefore, you put the gas pedal on and are going through the IVF process. That is an intense process and it's time bound. And yes, there's lots of waiting, but 
what's your relationship with taking breaks? Is that a topic? Because it's a big topic for me and I'm really curious how it is for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if I can rewind it back a little bit just to give you guys a brief overview of what our IVF journey has kind of looked like. When we started with the genetic counsellor and told them that we wanted to go ahead with IVF, they referred us to the clinic and being a carrier for Fragile X more or less gives us funding straight away for IVF in New Zealand and in New Zealand we get two rounds of IVF funded. It does take a little bit for that funding to come through and because we're not just doing IVF to create an embryo, we're doing IVF to create an embryo and then have it genetically tested, the wait list at that time was two years to get to the front of that queue, which is obviously quite alarming when you're like, oh, time is ticking by very fast. But as part of the whole workup, they do blood tests. We tested my AMH levels, did scans of my ovaries and everything just to make sure everything looked okay and two major things that came out of all of that was that I had a large cyst on one of my ovaries the other was that my AMH levels were very low and with those two things combined our clinic were amazing and managed to kind of appeal to whoever it is that gives the funding in New Zealand and get us moved up the list because both of those factors kind of play into what kind of chances we have of using my own eggs. So we did end up doing a round of IVF because the surgeries were delayed because of COVID. We decided just to go ahead and with the cyst in one of my ovaries and we managed to get, I think it was six or seven eggs from that first retrieval which is fairly low but not so low we basically had to get six eggs to be funded for a second round using my eggs we were ecstatic to get that to just yeah scrape through that pass mark and so we had the eggs retrieved then you start the hunger games process where they call you the next day and tell you how many have fertilized three I think maybe four had fertilized overnight and then they grow them and then on day five they called to say that we had three that had made it to blastocyst which was great and they biopsied those froze them and sent the biopsies away for testing and sadly all three came back as having received my bad X so we didn't want to transfer those ones so We were out of luck from round one. The ovary that had the cyst didn't respond to any treatment during that cycle. So we decided to hold off on doing another cycle and doing, getting the surgery done and then trying again afterwards. So there was a nice big break there after doing the first round and it was quite devastating getting the news that all three of those tiny little embryos got the bad gene because statistically it should be 
my 50% chance they get my good X, 50% chance they get my bad X, but you know, sometimes the numbers just fall that way. So it was nice to take a break and have the next thing to be focused on is was having the cyst removed. So did that. And then the advice was to wait a few more months just for the ovary to recover and see if we can kind of get any response from that ovary in the second round. And I think, yeah, maybe we've waited another three to four months for that which again, mm. nice break. And my body needed it after having a large cyst removed. So when we did start for IVF for our second round, we felt really prepared. You know, we'd been on the roller coaster already. So we knew what to expect from the injections and how I was going to behave and all that sort of stuff over that period. And we managed to get five eggs I think from that round so even though we'd had the cyst removed we didn't have as good a response as the first time which is often how things go but that's okay but we did have four fertilized and again this time we had two that made it through to blastocyst and got biopsied and sent away and I was totally resigned to the fact that these two little embryos were going to go the same way as the first three and it was going to be over but they came back and said to us that both little embryos had received my good ex so all of a sudden we had two chances to transfer these little guys and see what would happen and more or less straight away you kind of have to wait for the next your next cycle to start before you can do a transfer so we did that just a few weeks and did the first transfer but sadly it didn't work so I kind of knew as it as it was happening that it didn't work and so I knew before we'd done the test that it hadn't stuck and at that point it was before Christmas and you know we just decided that for our own mental health we just needed a break Christmas was coming up summer we wanted to be able to drink and spend time with friends and not worry about anything really just kind of enjoy the stage that we were at and Mm. kind of put it to the back of our minds because you know we all go into this experience with so much hope and every time that you get and a new phone call or a different result or something happens you get that little renewed sense of hope and when it gets dashed you do go through the lows even though you've been through them before it just seems like as you move along the journey the highs get higher and the lows get lower but you do you know I am a huge advocate for taking breaks despite the time pressure that we're on I just wholeheartedly believe that you have to do what's best for you you've got to listen to your body and taking breaks if it's for a few months or half a year or a year it can be really hard to kind of think that way when you are taking them or making those decisions but you'll feel so much better now that we're heading into doing our next transfer I just couldn't have done it straight after the last one and doing it now I feel like I'm in such a 
better headspace than mm. I was then and have enjoyed the last few months and got to a point now where I feel like I'm ready to do it again. Wow. Thank you so much for taking us through your journey and everything that happened there, talking about the highs and lows and the importance of taking breaks. And I'm hearing that that helps you get back to your baseline, feeling, you know, positive, also physically ready to go through that process again. I'm happy to hear that that's where you are. I do have a couple more questions. Cool. And that is, you've mentioned your wonderful husband, Will. Yeah. And interesting for those listening is that Will is actually also going to be joining us on the podcast soon. We're going to hear both sides of this story. And I'm so excited. I'm very grateful that both of you are open to this. I'm wondering... And he might not hear this until later, but is there anything that you'd like to say to Will or about Will through this podcast? Will is my absolute hero. He is my rock. And I am just so in awe of how he has approached this whole situation and has just wholeheartedly supported me through everything that we've been through. And those of you that have done taken hormones as part of this journey will know what a ride it is and how <laughs> testing it can be for our, our partners. And he has just been so supportive and I am very lucky. I'm very lucky. So I guess all I really have to say to Will is thank you because Mm. I definitely couldn't have done it without him. I'm hearing that there's a lot of love there and there's a lot of gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It makes (laughs) two. Yeah. And like you you said earlier, and I see you both like this fully as you're a unit, you're a team. And so I'm very grateful that we get to hear both of your voices as a team going through this process and what helps you and what it's really like. Also hearing that important male voice because it is also a different experience for partners, seeing their partners going through this process, especially when there are lots of treatments involved, lots of highs and lows. So I'm very much looking forward to that conversation with Will as well. I think... I'm really proud of Will and especially for him to be willing to share his side of the story with you as well because it is different for partners going through it you know you you have to be there and essentially unconditionally support your significant other which obviously you know is why you got married or are together in the first place but it is testing and Mm. I just yeah I think being on the other side you know as the person that is trying to have a baby trying to get pregnant it's your own body and you can do things you know within your autonomy but as the partner they can only do so much I think being there to go to 
appointments and get you ice cream and stuff like that is is really important but they also go through different things as well with their friend groups and that sort of thing so I think his perspective is going to be really enlightening Mm. as well I feel that too beautiful thank you so much Kate so putting a bow on this conversation which I once again have learned so much through and I'm very grateful very moved as well as you can imagine having such a good friend join me here someone who's who's on this journey with me what are you grateful for I think it's already come out a lot in this episode but I am so grateful to my support network to my friends who do reach out and are constantly checking in and family and you for holding space I am just so grateful that I don't have to go through this alone yeah thank you so much Kate and thank you also to Will who's going to join us next you're both wonderful people and I look forward to eating ice cream with you sometime soon on a New Zealand beach. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for giving me this time and yeah, just for being you.